feeling connected and feeling valued and loved by somebody else is so powerful in the way that we even think about ourselves. We gain so much of our own sense of value and purpose and what we're bringing to the table. Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Pleats. One of the unfortunate outcomes of the pandemic and the many ways we had to remove ourselves from normal, everyday social situations to stay safe and healthy has been loneliness. In fact, the U.S. Surgeon General recently reported we're suffering from an epidemic of loneliness and isolation as a country. And the effect of extended loneliness is now contributing to a range of health risks. Just consider extended loneliness can have the same impact to a person's health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Today, Jessica Johnson, Behavioral Health Manager at the Walnut Creek Medical Center is here to talk with me about this epidemic of loneliness, what it looks like, how it's affecting the patients she works with, and how she's coaching people in friendship making to overcome social isolation and loneliness. Hi, Jessica. I'm glad you're here to discuss this very important topic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So let's jump right in, Jessica. This may sound like a silly question, but what is loneliness in your own words and how does it affect us? loneliness is the internal experience, the very distressing internal experience that people have when they feel disconnected from others. It can be caused by a lack of meaningful connections with others or just a lack of social interactions altogether. As human beings, we are hardwired to be social creatures. In the past, our connection or belonging to our tribe or our community was key to our own survival. Right. And we haven't evolved too far from this. <laughs> we know that newborn babies thrive off the connection that they have with their primary caregivers. And it's really ingrained in us to be connected to others, to feel that we are seen and heard and valued by other people. And this really has a direct impact on our own well-being and on our mental health. Yeah. When you think about the factors that contribute to loneliness, how has the pandemic or other recent events affected people's feelings of loneliness? The pandemic had a major impact. It cut back on the number of interactions we were having. It impacted the major structures in our life. You know, school or our workplace have been the major structures in our lives that create opportunities for us to interact with other people, clients, coworkers, our supervisors, students, their peers and teachers. So when the pandemic hit and we suddenly had to shut down those structures and it forced us into literal isolation, we all definitely experienced this major phase of isolation in our lives because of the pandemic. It's so interesting because so many of the Kaiser Permanente team, they're working nonstop taking care of people with COVID-19 and the impact may not have had the same level of isolation as many others. Do you think people still felt a little isolated in their workplace because they were working at such a fast pace? 
What would you say to teams that have been on the ground in the nursing units working nonstop? A lot of the clients that we see are healthcare workers, and they obviously have had a very different experience during the pandemic. The workplace became so intense yeah. and so much more fast-paced, and it was about caring for others, and there was less of that time and space to connect with others. And so I think we've really seen the long-term impact on healthcare workers and are seeing isolation and loneliness as well with them. Yeah. They may have been working more hours and have been with their coworkers more often. They feel disconnected connected from their coworkers because of the nature of the work. People were disconnected emotionally, even though they were physically there because you didn't have that space to check in with your coworker and see how they're doing or how their weekend went, or if they're looking forward to their upcoming vacation, right? Mm -hmm. And then we know that after working a 12 hour shift at that pace, there's not much left over for the other people in your life. And so it really does lead to this tendency to withdraw especially if you feel like the people outside of your workplace really can't understand what you're experiencing, what you're going through. Right. And yeah. it has been a very isolating experience for a lot of healthcare workers. I didn't have that understanding and I hadn't thought about it that way. I understand it now. And it's a big reflection that because our teams were so together all the time, but even though you're with people, doesn't mean that you were connected to the people. Connected. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So can you share an example of someone who is grappling with loneliness and the impact it's had on their life? Yeah. One person that comes to mind was a client who worked in the tech field. Her job was one of those that changed to being 100% remote. She and her partner had moved prior to the pandemic, and so they were fairly new to the area. So there was some distance between them and family and friends. Now she found herself working from home Monday through Friday in the house alone. Even though she was still working, those interactions that she did have with coworkers and colleagues and clients were very different. It just really created this distance between her and the people that she was connecting with. She came to us, to the psychiatry clinic, complaining of anxiety. Mm. And she was experiencing a lot of anxiety. She was so physically isolated throughout the week that she didn't have people to engage with in problem solving or challenging her own thoughts of anxiety or her own negative self-talk. We were able to pin point that her isolation was drastically contributing to her experience of anxiety. Well, good for her for recognizing she's got anxiety and seeking help because that's wonderful. And we know if people are going through the same thing, but not reaching out for help. You just described a little bit. So I wonder if you could go a little bit deeper on recognizing the signs of loneliness, maybe in ourselves and our colleagues, and then maybe some steps to address it. I think if you notice that you are feeling that you don't have people in your life that you can reach out to, that there's a sense of wanting to spend time with others and feeling like you don't have people to call or people to invite to an activity or invite them over to your house. If you find yourself kind of longing for that, I think that's definitely something to tune into. 
And then another level deeper of that is when we really do feel like we don't have people in our life that we can count on. Loneliness and isolation can kind of be a double-edged sword because if we are experiencing things such as some depression or anxiety, it can tend to make us want to pull away from others, Mm. you know, tends to lead us to self-doubt or insecurities. And then that just reinforces that sense of isolation or loneliness. So if you see others around around you who seem to be pulling away, who tend to step back from activities or withdraw from group settings or any social interactions? Is there a way that we can reach out, kind of extend the invitation? Or can we check in with them? Is there a way that we can ask their opinion? How are you doing? How are things going for you? I think it is really valuable for us to keep a pulse on ourselves and the people around us. This is something that's so pervasive for so many people in our society right now. Even for those of us who are not necessarily experiencing loneliness, we all kind of have a desire for more social interaction now. So much has changed over the past three years. The more that we can really reach out to one another and try and support each other, the better off we're going to be as a community, as a society. I just love that last statement about just really connecting with people. And I love when you were talking about these opportunities, when we're seeing somebody who may not be engaging. I think sometimes we make up a story that maybe they're introverted or maybe they're not interested or maybe there's something else that's going on with the individual. You're encouraging people to take a second look at that and say, maybe they're just lonely and maybe they actually just need us and they need that warm connection. And so Mm -hmm. reaching out your hand could make a big difference. I just love that for so many different reasons. Yeah, there's kind of a natural tendency when we're struggling in some way, when we're not feeling adequate in some way, we can kind of have a tendency to pull back from others. And what we really need to do is be leaning in at that point. Because as humans, we really relate to one another and bond over our imperfections (laughs) more than our accomplishments. (laughs) Lean into the messy is what I'm hearing you say. Exactly. Okay. And know that the other person's messy. <laughs> we are not perfect creatures. Our imperfections are the beautiful parts. Exactly. All right. I also suspect that many of us have a love-hate relationship with social media. So there is no denying that it's become ingrained in our world and in many cases, our identity and contributing to loneliness. How should we be thinking about social media? Social media has really offered us this way of being able to stay connected with people we wouldn't have otherwise. There are really major benefits to being able to stay connected, to share information, share pictures, share experiences with loved ones that aren't local, that we aren't able to see in person. But there's that part of it versus kind of the consumptive part of social media, Mm -hmm. where we find ourselves taking in all of these images and messages that are not necessarily helpful in many ways. There's definitely an entertainment factor to this that I think we all enjoy on some level, but it's really important for us to be aware of what are we exposing ourselves to. We're all guilty of putting our best foot forward and posting the pictures or the experience that really shows us in our element where we look happy and probably shows us engaging with some other person. There's social media versus reality photos, Uh right? right? But we forget that. We forget that this is not realistic. And we have seen the detrimental effects of comparing ourselves 
to people we see in media. This is really a not helpful, not useful way that social media is impacting us. And so be really aware of what you're exposing yourself to on social media, because that can have a huge impact on your mental health. Yeah, it goes back a little bit to what you were just saying about we really need to lean into the messy. But if everybody's putting out there that everything's beautiful pictures, none of the 50 other pictures you took to get the one great shot, (laughs) forget it. This podcast is one of many resources to support your well-being, including the Kaiser Permanente Business Resource Groups, bringing people from shared life experiences together to foster a culture of belonging, to support KP's mission, and advance equity inclusion for all. To get involved with one of our business resource groups, visit this episode's show notes. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk about strategies for overcoming loneliness and building meaningful connections and friendships. How can someone reach out and engage with others? What are your strategies? Well, the first thing to keep in mind is that there's no strategies that don't require making ourselves a little uncomfortable. It really is about initiating those interactions, whether that's reconnecting with old friends or family members that maybe you haven't spoken to in a while. Make a phone call, send an email even just to get the ball rolling. If you have family members that you just want to be closer to, can you schedule regular phone calls or regular interactions? This is just as important as our physical health. It's contributing to our wellness and our mental health. And then the same thing goes for new relationships. If you are looking to meet new people, what interests do you have that you can pursue? Is there a particular community group that interests you? A political cause or even a volunteer opportunity that you could take advantage of. Coming together to work with people towards a common goal is a great way to connect on a deeper level. Since we have isolated for so long, some of these things that we used to do that would come naturally to us can feel a little more awkward because we're out of practice. Reach out, be the one that takes the initiative. Get comfortable with the discomfort. Again, you're not alone in this. (laughs) You're out of practice, so is everyone else. (laughs) Whatever it is, something that doesn't feel, take a chance. It can just be a tiny little chance, but the payoff will be much bigger this piece of we're all together in our loneliness that everybody's kind of going through the same thing together so it all sounds very promising and i'm wondering if you could share a a success story of someone you've helped overcome these feelings and maybe who's built a strong network i was working with a woman in her 50s who had recently lost her husband Mm -hmm. um a very challenging and painful experience for her She didn't have children and her family lived out of the area. So she was having a very intense experience of loneliness and isolation Mm. because she was going through this huge experience of grief and Mm. really felt that other people couldn't relate to what she was going through and didn't want to burden other people with her sadness and her problems. We really looked at 
who is in your life? Who would you want to reconnect with? Are there existing relationships that could use a little more nurturing or time and attention right now? We also looked at what are your interests? She had always wanted to try art. She had an interest in, but never actually pursued. She tried a couple different things. She was able to reach out to some friends who lived a little outside the area, but initiated a few phone calls and actually then went to visit them spent a weekend with them and she had an amazing experience with them. So when she reached out, it was this great opportunity for both sides to come back together and to reconnect and show how much they cared for one another. And then she also pursued the art class. She found an art class she was interested in. She was friendly with some of the people in her class and had a really great experience overall. But she also identified a friend that she ended up initiating weekly walks with having that 30 minutes with a friend taking a walk once a week having that great weekend with her friends out of the area you could just see the difference in her wow you know our relationships are really how we gain so much of our own sense of value and purpose and what we're bringing to the table (laughs) right Mm -hmm. Uh, feeling connected and feeling valued and loved by somebody else is so powerful in the way that we even think about ourselves It just highlights and puts an exclamation point on the connection with mind, body, spirit and how you're reconnecting with friends that wanted to connect with you, finding a new love and creativity through art and then finding friendship and then ultimately improving their own health just across the board. So first of all, congratulations for helping them through that experience. Thank you for being there for them. She did the work. She did amazing. So it was really an honor to be a part of it. Sometimes you need a little little helping hand along the way. So we'll oh. hopefully you're helping a few other people through this conversation. Clearly developing friendships and community is just so important as you were describing. How can we all work together to reduce loneliness and promote a sense of belonging for everybody? realizing the value of our communities, of our social networks, whatever that is, and actively taking part in them. These networks that we have, whatever the sources, they exist because of the people that are in them. So how do we create more inclusive spaces for people and create more opportunities for people to get connected? Ways that communities can come together and host events or different activities that Kaiser does for their employees throughout the day. We just need the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's so important that the structures in our society are there to create these opportunities for us. Again, whether that's school or the workplace or your local downtown, (laughs) whatever it is, being able to create a structure that then has these opportunities for people to connect is so important. I think that's really what the Surgeon General Report speaks to is the way that we need to continue to nurture these structures and really nurture our support networks. Yeah. And I love this, that the resources are out there and you're giving kind of credit to the patient that you worked with, reaching out to mental health professionals, looking for support groups or community organizations. Uh, What about online forums or platforms? Are there other ones out there, other connections you would recommend for people? 
Well, one that's pretty well known is meetups, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, such a great kind of example of an entire online forum that was created just for people to connect who did have shared interests. I always encourage people like, just take a look, just see what's out there, what opportunities are out there, what piques your interest. Really great relationships kind of start online and then blossom into an in-person connection. Again, there's lots of resources out there. It's really about about taking the initiative to do a little research and see what piques your interest and then taking a risk and putting yourself out there a little bit. Putting yourself out there a little bit. And you also said something that's so incredibly important, which is this is about taking care of yourself. Loneliness and connecting with people is who we are and it will manifest in so many other great ways in your life by addressing loneliness. So thank you so much for that. So I also end each podcast episode asking the same question of all of our guests. What one piece of advice would you give for our team to heal from the past three plus years of the pandemic? I most often say to people to be patient and kind with themselves. I think self-compassion is so important and we all tend to not have enough (laughs) for ourselves. We may have lots of compassion for others and yet struggle to show that same compassion for ourselves. We had to get through the past three years without knowing what was coming next, the long-term effects and the impact that it's had on us. If suddenly things that you did without thinking before feel awkward and uncomfortable, that's okay. You're not alone in that. And with time, you're going to get back into your groove and find a new sense of normalcy. But just make sure that you're giving yourself the pep talk that you need, not bringing yourself down and really showing your the the self-compassion that you deserve. Well, Jessica, I hope through this really wonderful conversation, we're helping many others get their groove back. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for covering this topic. It's really valuable. As always, I invite you to share what's on your mind. Ask a question or suggest a topic or guest. Send it to livewellandthrive at kp.org. And whether you're listening on your commute or during a down moment, keep those comments coming. And of course, I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm Carrie Owen-Pleats, and we'll see you next time.